This is the Truth Network. Coming to you from an entrenched barricade deep in the heart of Central North Carolina. Masculine Journey After Hours. A time to go deeper and be more transparent on the topic covered on this week's broadcast. So sit back and join us on this adventure. The Masculine Journey After Hours starts here now. Welcome to After Hours. Today is an unexpected change. We're going to go deeper and get more personal and hopefully um, show how Jesus ends up <laughs> allowing these things in our life in order that we can get a better look at, at the person that he wants to work with. Um, and I, I love what you said as we were getting ready for this show, Darren, that um, his desire is so much to, for that relationship between you and him. He He's ready and willing and able to take away your kids, your wife, your job, your health, mm-hmm. your whatever it takes. Well, so the context was I was explaining to a, a, a friend of mine a, a book that I will literally say probably saved my life, and it was a book called Shattered Dreams by Larry Crabb, and so I would highly recommend that. It, it is awesome. He recommended it to me when my dreams were shattered and and i read it and so the whole point is god is willing to shatter your dreams the reason being that he knows your heart better than you do he knows what's really in there that deepest darkest spot in your heart where the brightest kernel is okay it, it may be down in there it may be in a tiny piece with all the shards that have been broken in your heart but he knows that it's there and he knows what it is and he knows you better than you do. And so he is willing to take away anything that gets between you and that thing. Well, for me, that thing was having a real relationship with him. He knew that's what I wanted more than anything in life. My addictions were looking for comfort, look, looking for uh, acceptance, looking for um some way to not be rejected looking to prove that i was man enough um whatever all of those different things as having been a a child who was sexually abused by two uh older male family members um that were not in my direct immediate immediate family but anyway uh those two guys didn't even really know each other very well and um but both of them were pretty broken guys obviously and both of them sexually abused me at different points in times and so i began to have a scar of my own that sounded something like the common denominator is you you know these two guys don't even know each other so you must be the problem and and so satan had put that scar on me and i wore it and so most of my life, my pose, my risk taking, uh, my prowess to date every girl I possibly could, um, all of that was in view of trying to hide that scar that, you know, there's something wrong with you. And so it wasn't until I finally figured out that God was willing to take everything that I worshiped instead of him or that I used as a comforter instead of him or that I used as an excuse instead of a relationship with him. He was willing to take any of those things and all of those things. He didn't yank them all out at once most of the time, 
but for me i'm kind of a thick-headed idiot and so it did come to a point in time in my life where he did yank a lot all at the same time and and it almost killed me uh, literally and um but through that experience that unexpected change began to happen and it's still happening thankfully uh much better ways right as we talked about you know peter you know had all this change we talked about this in the broadcast like oh my goodness he's sitting there that night here come the romans everything completely changes overnight he actually gave the guy quite a scar on his head you know mm-hmm. the loss of the year yeah <laughs> but don't think that a lot of peter knife work didn't, going on peter in this didn't show. have a scar however you know there was the beach breakfast that mm-hmm. you know that that restoration and the intimacy between peter and Jesus, when he was forgiven, is something that, that you can't. But there was a scar, and so we have a wonderful clip. Right, Rodney? Oh, it's, it's got it's, a scar. Yeah. So go for it. Well, there's a movie called Inglorious Bastards, and there's a big change right at the end of the movie that you just don't expect because um, it, this is a movie that's set in World War II, and uh, the characters on the American side are dropped in behind enemy lines in France and their whole mission is just to kill Nazis and it's fictitious movie but what comes to is they end up capturing a bunch of Germans in a theater and Hitler happens to show up at the last second they even get him in there and they kill all these German leaders and they did this with the help of one of the German uh, colonels played by Christoph Waltz his name is Hans Lond and this officer gives up his own people so that he can be saved. He's done all these bad things. He was kind of known as the, the Jew hunter. That was his name in the movie. And then he becomes this ruthless killer. And then next thing you know, he's going to get off scot-free. He's going to head over to Nantucket. He's going to have a nice little cozy cottage house, live out the good life in the United States because he made a deal with the German uh, or with the U.S. Uh, generals well the guy who was actually in charge in the on the ground and was actually taken prisoner they're doing this end of the movie scene where they swap roles and now the german guy is going to become the prisoner of the u.s and he's made this deal that he get off and he made a deal for his buddy who gets shot you'll hear him get shot and then brad pitt decides uh you're going to have a permanent scar by the swastika on your forehead, and that's what you'll hear the screams at the very end. Herman, uncuff them. I'm officially surrendering myself over to you, Lieutenant Rain. Will you prison us? How about my knife? Thank you very much, Colonel. You the bitch cuff Colonel's hands behind his back. Oh, is that really necessary? I'm a slave to appearances. Scalp Herman. Where are you mad? What have you done? I made a deal with you, General, for that man's life! Yeah, they made that deal, but they don't give about him. They need you. You'll be shot for this? Nah, I don't think so. More like chewed out. I've been chewed out before. <laughs> you know, you bitch myself heard that deal you made with the brass. In the war tonight, I'll make that deal. How about you, you bitch? You make that deal? 
I'd make that deal. I don't blame you. Good deal. And that pretty little nest you feather for yourself. Well, if you're willing to barbecue the whole high command, I suppose that's worth certain considerations. But I do have one question. When you get to your little place on Nantucket Island, I imagine you won't take off that handsome-looking SS uniform of yours. Ain't you? That's what I thought. Now that I can't abide. How about you, Unibitch? Can you abide it? Not one bit, sir. I mean, if I had my way, you'd wear that uniform for the rest of your life. If I'm aware it ain't practical. I mean, at some point, you gotta have to take it off. So... I'm gonna give you a little something you can't take off. Yeah! I think this just might be my masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, that was a swastika that was being carved into that man's head. And if you watch the movie, you get to see that. <laughs> 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 whatever, full 3D, whatever you want to, you know, but... Uh, the interesting thing about our scars is, as I have been thinking about this, like, oh my goodness, Andy Honeycutt is a good friend of the ministries is in the studio with us. And the last time I saw Andy that I remember was at a marriage retreat. And at that marriage retreat, I had recently, Jesus had come in to work with my addiction to pornography. However, um, and, and, that's a fairly long story. I had a pretty good scar that went with it, but I'd been hiding those scars for years and years. And, you know, as soon as Jesus helped me work through all that needed to be done, breaking agreements, all these things I was doing as a result of, of an incident that happened with sexual abuse in my life early on, he was like, you need to tell your wife, you need to show her the scar. <laughs> she didn't want to know. She didn't want to know. And I really didn't want to tell her because many times she told me, like if I, she would hear about, you know, she we saw the movie Fireproof together. You can imagine this. <laughs> yeah, that was scene. a real <laughs> knee slapper to go to with your wife if you're a And if I ever found addict. out you were doing something like that, I would divorce you. And this, I would never put up with somebody who would do that. You know, and I heard all these things and I was completely convinced it would be the end of my marriage. But God said, no, when the time comes, you've got to tell her. So those who are familiar with our boot camps, we have this thing called a covenant of silence. Well, I don't know what rocket scientists came up with this idea of, of a joint covenant of silence, but I think it might be this gentleman sitting next to me um, of, you know, we're at this marriage retreat. I'm not that smart. It was probably the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we want to have a joint covenant of silence. And on this one, we want you to take to God something that you've never told your mate. Now, this is like, <laughs> couldn't be a week and it, maybe it, it might have been four or five days after this incident between me and Jesus. And all of a sudden, here I am in a marriage retreat with a covenant of silence. I've got to go tell her something that I've never, ever dreamed would ever happen. And talk about a broken heart. Now it's me inflicting mm. that's what it feels like oh it was it, it was like and 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 oh by the way 
That swastika is still on my forehead every time my wife looks at me, and I know it is. However, and this is a gigantic however, and don't try this at home unless you have a whole lot <laughs> of prayer going on, I'm just saying. But oh my goodness, to actually be forgiven mm-hmm. for the person you really are, to actually be loved. So like, when, when she tells you now, Robbie Dillmore, you're a good man, I love you. Right. Can you hear it better than you could hear it oh, yeah, when there you was were no, living a lie? I, yeah. Yeah, and, and in fact, it's there's there's no comparison to the intimacy because before I always knew that she didn't know the real one, so there's no that. But if you think to that she doesn't still catch me in stupid you know human tricks all the time, you know that. Mm-hmm. The, but it, it awakened something up in me that every time that happens, I went and wow, you know. I left the toilet seat up, you know, or whatever. <laughs> she still loves me. <laughs> but, you know, there's like, wow. There's, there, it's a beautiful thing that Jesus knows all that stuff, but you got to get real with him. And a lot of times he throws all this change in our lives so that we can get a look at it, right, Jim? Yes, he does, and it's, you know, I I was so happy when you took the microphone away from me and shoved it back over to Rodney, because I've been thinking of a few things in my life, and it almost gets back to my name. Uh, James is a form of Yaakov, the deceiver, the supplanter. I was such a good liar, such a good poser. I've noticed that, that very few have caught me in it, except you guys that know me well. And I, it occurred to me with that clip that there's a lot of freedom in having that swastika carved on your head, and you sort of intimated that a minute ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a rescuer. I wanted to save everybody from everything. And two of those all ended up in at least emotional affairs with Proverbs 7 women that I was trying to help. And it, and now I am in a position where I'm helping a guy that's the same guy I was back then. And I want to slap him and say, you idiot, <laughs> get over it. You don't want anything to do with her. And you know, his is so much like mine because he hasn't had any physical kind. They've held hands, I think. But that... That level of intimacy is so much more wounding for a wife than if you had sex. It didn't mean anything. And I didn't know that then. But it's, and it's broken up his marriage, and he, he is fighting, pursuing her, and he's at the point where nothing, you know, that's, that's his focus. And one of the things that came up tonight, and I told him two days ago, that God is in the business of tearing down idols. And an idol is anything we put before the relationship we have with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of mine, being a rescuer sounds like a good thing. It's terrible. He's the only rescuer that can be in our lives. I've been uh, re—I read a book a few years ago called Pendulum 
and uh, it's it's a great book. It's about <laughs> the eighty year swing that we see in our society. Um, we're coming to the end of a me cycle, an eighty year me cycle um, in twenty twenty three, and we're going into a full fledged we cycle and. Um, it's really cool and it's and it's backed up by biblical history uh you can read through the scriptures and see this happening awesome book but one of the things that uh the author said um the other day with regard to that is that um we often like in the early 80s the whole world was idolizing posers okay um, Michael Jackson, poser, the village people, posers, kiss, posers. You know, I mean, all of these people that that make up their life way outside of the bounds. Right. And so we're now moving to the more authentic style of music that people like and that sort of thing. Um, but this whole idea that God is in the business of tearing down idols. But one of the things that he talks about in this is that it's not necessarily between one bad thing and one good thing, that the definition of duality is two good things, justice and mercy, but you can only choose one. So sometimes you have to choose justice over mercy or mercy over justice. And God's the only one that can to- totally deal with justice and mercy simultaneously we as human beings struggle with that and so we have this duality in our life is it a bad thing to to help somebody to to try to rescue somebody no it's not but what's the better thing and so choosing better over best you know is is hard for us as human beings and so we get struggling uh, as we do that and satan comes along and helps us interpret the things that we see in life rescuing someone um do i give good counsel to others but i don't take it myself do i devote my most of my energy in helping others is that outside of my family or is that with my own children or or my wife um neither one of those are bad things but you can often get put in a situation where God has to redirect us. And often this change that we're talking about is not necessarily because we're in some horrible sin. It could be that we're just not um, prepared or, or capable of handling best over better or better over best. You know, and we don't trust him to give us the best. We know what's best. God doesn't. That's been my biggest falls. You know, Morgan, uh, with Ransom Hart, we're going to have him Morgan on here Schneider, in a couple yeah. with his new book, you know, Becoming a King, mm-hmm. and he has a story, it's in the audio book, I don't think it's in the other book, but about a, a, a man that was huge in ministry and well-known throughout the world for this unbelievable ministry, and he had a funeral, and his son was there, and he says to some of his friends, he said, wow, that sounded like a great man. You know, that was really all those people speaking at his funeral. He sounded like a great man, but that wasn't the dad I knew. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there there you have it. Mm -hmm. You know, there you have it with your own kids. Like, right, you know, you're the Christian car guy. (laughs) You talk about, you know, road rage or whatever. 
But, you know, my own kids often hold up the mirror and they're like, Dad, (laughs) 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 you know, I'll never forget one time I got kicked out of a basketball game that my son was um, in. That's happened to you, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. He, He can preach a good message, right? But does his life measure up to that message? And... You know, are you willing to let the people in your life reflect back to you that which God's trying to get your attention? And you know, you know, that the legends are, you know, remember the time Dad got kicked out of (laughs) (laughs) Remember the, you know, they all have this stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Um, that's actually precious. It's very humiliating, and it's a big swastika on my forehead, but it's it's extremely precious. Um, that I still have my kids around at least close enough to tell me, you know, what a poser I am. Mm-hmm. You know? Or were. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm not saying you don't changed. pose about things today. It's just that you posed better then. <laughs> so, well, you know, so unexpected change, what do we do with it? How do we handle it? Um, I mean, that that would be kind of my question is, so honestly when this major change happened in my life i wanted to give up i wanted to quit um i gave up ministry the the church that i was ministering at at the time said oh no you can continue to be our minister and i was like are you kidding me um i knew me well enough to know and and you know and and they meant well they were sweet people um but i believe if i had accepted that that would have been falling into satan's hands yet again because you you have to keep up the pose and so there was the freedom of i'm not a pastor i'm I'm not a i'm not a minister anymore i'm i'm just darren now and i could be real with people um it's so hard to watch younger men that that i do life with um and i see the pose you know in my in my grandson and in some of you know my son's friends and and different people and and uh all of the younger men that are in my life and i you know you see the pose and though i mean all of us are pretty old guys here in the room you know i mean none of us are you know like spring chickens and so it comes out so much easier now that we can see oh okay he's he doesn't know what he's talking about so he's trying to pose so we can give a guy grace in that situation and I say all that to say this. I think that God is that same way with us. He knows. Okay, Darren's kicking and screaming. Yeah, he's, he's a three-year-old right now. He just wants his popsicle back. But how am I going to, in grace and mercy and justice, mixing all three of those things together, how am I going to help him through this? So how do we respond? I, I think I know how God does, but what do we got for people listening? So, Rodney, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> your topic you know god he he rocked your world one time and, oh, yeah. and i think that the answer is inside of that story well when you know i grew up in in going to church i thought i was a believer in jesus christ and was going to heaven and all this kind of good stuff but then as i finally had somebody actually under that understood scripture, teach me scripture and happened to be Dr. J. Vernon McGee through his radio program. And I'm just like, listen to this guy. The very first time I ever had on the radio, just for a half an hour show, 
And I'm like, oh, that was so good. How do I get him back on? Where do I find him again? I mean, he's on at 5.30 in the morning on my drive to work, and I'm driving from Winston to Charlotte. I'm like, this is the only time. How can I find this guy, you know? And so all I'm Before the days of podcasts and streaming. Yeah, and and this is, I think, it was already out there. I just didn't know about it and didn't know how to go get it. And I'm like, so I'm listening, and I'm only listening basically on Monday mornings when I'm driving down there for work. I think there was a few days where I was driving – early on all, all the way, but then I had a place to stay down there. So I'd only drive down early in the morning. And then finally on one of the shows, they talked about, oh, you can listen to us on the, the podcast and here's our website and all that. I'm like, oh. I go there and I can listen. I can get it on the phone. And then I'm like listening every day as I'm driving. And, you know, it's just this hunger and thirst comes that I didn't know I had. I had no idea. I was not searching after God. I was not going after him, not trying to get closer. And the next thing you know, my chain's been jerked and the collar was tightened and I was choked and it was like, oh my gosh, that's what I need to breathe. I need that breath of life. And it was just a big change. And it's, like you say, some of the poses are coming off. <laughs> There's still a lot of them there because he hasn't been as cruel to me as he has been to you, Darren, thankfully. <laughs> but they're getting exposed here and there and enough of them are coming off where it's like, I am actively working to try to find them, take them off. And that's where getting the, that prepared me to hear the masculine journey message. Cause I was listening to the radio and then I was like, I've got to go to a, one of these boot camps, find out what actually goes on there. Cause I hear the stuff on the radio and it, it gets you a little bit, a good bit of cult activity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get a little cultish and I really want to get full cultish, you know? <laughs> so I, I go joking. to the boot camp, not knowing really what to expect. And then you find out, okay, there's, there is biblical principles and things of this nature there, and there's this other sense of these movie themes and all this other stuff, but it's just the way the whole story comes together, and it starts to tie in something that you as a man can go in and try to work through. You'll find that you're connected at one point to certain messages and not to others, and then those will drift off. You may get connected to another one because something else comes up in your life. And it just the ways God's get working. Your, get your heart back. Yes. I'm a wholehearted man. That's what he's after. You know, as you push harder into that, mm-hmm. you know, as you begin to feel it, it's like, oh my goodness, it's worth the pain. It's worth the scars. It's worth all those things. And it's coming up July 16th mm-hmm. <laughs> through the 19th. Go to masculinejourney.org and register today.